Hello and welcome to The Advantage. I'm your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Friday, July 14th, and today is an NFL DFS strategy podcast. It's been a while since I've done a strategy show. We're talking basic approaches to each position and roster construction. You ready? Beat drop coming. Let's go. is fire. Just me, myself, and I today, fellas. Solo show with Fizz. Feel like a spinning instructor right now. All right, welcome in. Like I said, today we are doing NFL DFS strategy podcast and reviewing the basic approaches to each position and roster construction. But before I get to knee deep into those weeds, I want to quickly reintroduce myself because this podcast is actually going to be simulcasted on not only my feed, The Advantage, but also the DFS Today podcast feed as well. So let me reintroduce myself to anybody who happens to be listening on the DFS Today feed. I am Michael Fiddle. I was the host all of last football season for this show, and I am back and better than ever, baby. I'm very much looking forward to running it back this season. At the end of today's podcast, I'm going to quickly review like the content schedule that I'm planning right now for football and how we're going to be delivering these simulcast DFS shows. But that's not really the most uh, interesting part of it, so that's not what we're going to start off with. I also want to say I changed my Twitter handle to @fiddlespick, so make sure you are following me there. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And we have some fun, exciting announcements coming down the Sports Ethos Discord and Pipeline in the next few weeks, so stay tuned for those. But like I said, today, guys, NFL DFS strategy podcast, basic approaches to each position, kind of how I approach the board right when I pull up the empty roster list, all the player prices, and I have like my eight or nine positions to fill. I think it's eight and $60,000. I primarily play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Show, which will come into play probably a little bit in this episode, potentially future strategy episodes. DraftKings scoring format is half, I mean, full point PPR. FanDuel is half point PPR. And sometimes the two platforms have slightly different prices. So just so that you guys know, throughout the course of the season, and I will reiterate it, but I will be referring to DraftKings DFS game modes and prices. So I think the best place to start off this conversation is actually skipping the point in which we're choosing our contest. We are definitely, definitely, definitely going to do a strategy episode in the very near future about choosing your contest and about roster construction for a specific type of contest. I'm sure if you guys are listening to the DFS Today feed, you certainly know the difference between a cash game and a GPP tournament, but we want to talk about some different stacks, reverse stacks, uh, how you want to build those lineups for that Pacific tournament. And then I also love hundos. If you're not the most experienced person in the DFS space, look into the contest hundos. I definitely want to talk about those. They kind of float in that middle zone between a GPP and a cash game, but they actually have the highest return rate of entry fee money, as in DraftKings pays back the highest percentage of the money that they took in for that tournament. And for those reasons, it's a great place for a DFS better to have some 
entry fees and tournaments and some exposure in those spots because they simply have the highest return rate. Okay. That is a future strategy episode. I'm getting too far ahead of myself. Today's podcast is simply what do you do when you pull up that blank eight roster spots and you have your $60,000 next to it? What is the order in which you start to fill out your position? What is the what, Where do you weight importance of spend ups? Where do you try and hunt for value? What is the importance of the defense? Is it just the place to go cheapest? Where should you go chalk as opposed to maybe look for another pivot? Let's go through all of that and kind of my basic approach to building an NFL DFS lineup. And obviously, if we're talking football and we're talking roster construction, it starts at the top with the quarterback. I said this on the last podcast with Gibby, where we reviewed the NFL awards races. So definitely go check that out. We released it two days ago. The NFL MVP has been a quarterback 15 of the last 16 years. The one time it wasn't was when Adrian Peterson had 2,000 yards after returning from an ACL injury. So um, the one person that won NFL MVP that was not a quarterback in the last 16 years is actually a superhero named Iron Man. So we can skip that for now and be rest assured that a quarterback is likely going to win MVP this year. You could see on the odds that you have 30 starters and then pretty much every position player. And in football, more than any other sport, we have an outsized weight of importance of this position. Now, does that typically translate over to the fantasy side? In the season-long fantasy contests, which is not what we're playing here, you have heard historically that you can wait on a quarterback, that it's a 1Z position. 1Z means you only have one roster spot to start in general lineups. Some cube, some leagues are super flex or 2QB. Certainly in DFS, quarterback is a 1Z position. We are going to get back into that and the importance of what that means. Um, but you can sometimes wait on a quarterback because there's depth at the position in season-long fantasy formats, and there's people who you could rely on to score an average amount of points in each week. That is not the goal of DFS. The goal of DFS is to maximize your week-to-week and to maximize the value that you have on the board. So in a season-long fantasy format where you might choose a workhorse running back as your top notch of value, that doesn't translate to the DFS side because running back is actually where we go value hunting for an injury replacement and a guy who's going to be a workhorse that week, but is not priced as that. So in the quarterback market, I love, love, love to go high spend up and high value. So let's go back to this whole idea that a quarterback is 1Z. Let me repeat that a 1Z position in fantasy means you only have one roster spot to fill out. You cannot play two quarterbacks in any sort of DFS fantasy lineup. There is no utility spot. There is no super flex. You have one shot at this. There are also typically some of the highest priced players. I think the base quarterback is a $5,000 fee where the base uh, position skill player is 3000 I think the base tight end and defense is 2000 So there's clearly, if the base and cheapest quarterback you can find on the market is more expensive than probably a few players that are definitely going to be in your lineup every week, then you know that that's kind of the most expensive position. And then you go one step further. In DFS, we like to look at this thing called price to point ratio. For how many dollars are you spending? Are you getting a multiplier in the production and points outcome. So for every 
$1,000, so say a quarterback is $8,000, you would hope that they return like a 5 or 6x on that, meaning between 40 and 48 fantasy points that week. Now, when you look at price-to-point ratios for football, not only is quarterback one of the most expensive positions, it also generally carries in the projections the highest price-to-point ratio correlation. So you are paying your most expensive guys who are going to outproduce their cost the most. That makes the weighted importance of having a star quarterback super-duper important in DFS. Rest assured right now, I can promise you, the majority of my lineups, whether it's cash game, whether it's GPP, whether whatever, over the course of the next 20-some-odd weeks, including playoffs that we play DFS, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Jalen Hurts will be the most frequented quarterbacks in my lineups. There will be times when a matchup calls for it, when a situational spot calls for someone a little bit lower in the totem rung to be boosted up and considered potentially an elite quarterback that week. But for the most part, we target the top of the list for quarterbacks, and we will be playing not that many names in comparison to other positions. It is going to be pretty much run-of-the-mill we're running back Josh Allen. Run of the mill. We're running back Jalen Hurts. Run of the mill. Give me Nick Knack, Patty Whack. Give my dog Mahomes. It's nice to bring back that one for the DFS pod. I don't know if we'll be talking about Lenny Cornette Fournette in our core four uh, this season, but Nick Knack, Patty Whack, give me Patty Mahomes is back and better than ever. Um, that's for the people who listened last year. All right. So, like I said, quarterback, most important position. It is the place where I start. You are going to get the biggest weighted importance from it. You're going to get the highest scoring output. And all of that, let's go back to that 1Z thing, you only get one crack at it. Like wide receiver, you have three choices to have one of your middling guys go off and exceed expectation. In the quarterback landscape, if you don't have the guy or one of the guys, or if you try and hit on a middling guy and the three or four top guys go nuclear that week, you are putting yourself at such a big disadvantage right from the start. If we start to compare price-to-point ratio between a quarterback and, say, a tight end, you can see how drastically different it is. If a tight end costs 3000 bucks and they're going to 5x their point total, when your quarterback costs 8000 bucks and is going to 3x his, his total... That is 24 plus 15. That is 39 total points. Now let's flip those around. And I'd say at the same exact price, you get the 5X from your quarterback. And from the same exact price, you get the 3X from your tight end. So from your tight end, on a 3X, you would get 9 points. And from your quarterback, on a 5X on 8,000, you would get 40. So that's the difference between 49 and 39 fantasy points, that is a 10-point boost. That is more than a touchdown in football that you've just gained from playing the right-weighted important positions. Quarterback is the most important position in DFS football. I actually really like that. I actually really like that it's become more of a sample of what actual NFL is. Something that's always bothered me in NFL fantasy football is that like we're drafting the best quarterbacks in the third and fourth round when in real life there's no chance that would happen. I know this is a fantasy world and I know we like to give some running backs some shine. We learn the names of these wide receivers more because quarterbacks aren't the most important thing. But 
it's not really real football. And DFS kind of simulates that a little better. So let's assume you've chosen your quarterback. Let's assume we've spent up. Let's assume that guy's name is Josh Allen, who I took for plus 800 on DraftKings in the MVP odds discussed on last episode. So after I've chosen my quarterback, the next thing I do is I skip the next three slots on my, my voice is correct. I skip the next three slots on my roster, which are the wide receivers, and I go down and start filling in my 2Z position of running backs. You have two running back slots to fill in, and this is the place in which we go value hunting in the DFS space. There is the biggest differentiation between season-long fantasy formats and daily fantasies that exist at the running back position. I just talked about how you wait on a quarterback because you want to spend high-value capital on a running back. That does not exist in DFS. In season-long, the the king of fantasy is that workhorse running back who gets 18 to 24 carries on the ground, who gets two to six receptions in the air, who is just an absolute volume beast. However, in daily fantasy, we have this edge that these, you know, bookmakers and these contest providers like DraftKings are going to put up the contest and they're going to list the prices the Monday morning after the previous week's football. So six days before the contest is actually going to take place. So there inevitably is going to be guys in the running back position. Sadly, it happens to be the most injury prone position that are going to be questionable, are going to be dinged up, and the prices early in the week are not going to reflect the workload that we are likely going to see distributed later in the week. So for that reason, you might get a situation where Joe Mixon is priced at 7600 and he's actually ruled out or doubtful on Thursday or Friday, and you have a guy like Samaj P. Ryan at 4600 cheaper than the cheapest quarterback on the market, who's actually going to assume this workhorse running back load. That is so crucial in the DFS space, to go value hunting in the running back position and get someone who is going to assume, who's going to assume a workhorse, workhorse role that week. I don't know why I can't speak right now. You want to find a running back who is going to assume a workhorse role that week. Okay, that was better. And you want to find it for a fraction of the cost. You will see Eckler, 8,400. And you will see that Pirine, 4,800. Literally, the, the first two numbers are just flipped. They might be playing against each other. And you're like, oh, I mean, at a fraction of the cost, it probably relatively 90, 95% of the same workload. Give me Pirine every time. So value hunting at the running back position is such an important thing in fantasy football. And then second, let's pull back that curtain of DraftKings is a full point PPR contest. So we should target, maybe it's with our second running back spot, maybe it's with both running back spots, guys who catch the ball because these weighted performance of having a few receptions just boost your average running back score enough that you can find cheap running backs who get a few catches, who will get you that 10-11 floor points, who will get you that point price-to-point ratio multiplier that fits the bill, and you can just spend money elsewhere and try and go big and try and really accrue a dominant player like in the wide receiver market. So we have our quarterback. His name's Josh Allen. His name's Jalen Hurts. His name's Patrick Mahomes. It's probably one of those three names 
on a weekly basis. I'm not the biggest Burrow fan for fantasy because the he's a really good run game in the red zone and he doesn't run himself. So I love those top three. Allen, Mahomes, Hurts. And that's probably where I'm going to be. The running back position, it's going to be Pirine. It's going to be Mike Davis. It's going to be a few years ago is that guy Tyson Williams, week one starter for the Ravens because they literally had everyone, I think like Gus Edwards, Dobbit, everyone was hurt preseason. I started Tyson Williams week one of DFS a few years ago, and he like had 17 points and I took home a huge pot that week. We will find value at the running back position. If you're having trouble finding value, just come listen to the pod and I got you. So the next place to go, kick that can back up the board and go back to the wide receiver position. So we've identified a high-priced quarterback. We've identified two value running backs. Now we're in this wide receiver realm, which is easily the deepest and most daunting place in the DFS space. However, I have a basic approach this year. I think it is definitely true to last year, certainly true to the year prior, and I believe it is on an increased trajectory of importance in the fantasy space. And that is the increased prevalence of the passing game and the increased amount of targets that are going to star receivers. There seems to be a little bit of a dichotomy brewing between a standard one, two, three receiver on a team who's going to get decent volume at seven, eight targets that week. And some of these guys like Jefferson, Tyreek, uh, Diggs, Cup, Adams, like Chase, the super freaks, who are just going to get at least 12 or 13, 14 targets every single week. Those guys are starting to have the most outsized importance in fantasy sports, because now we're in a full PPR setting where simply by getting double the amount of targets, they might get double the amount of receptions, and they might put up a baseline of points because that full PPR, that is just so much higher. So when I'm going for that receiver room, I definitely want a star. I definitely want one of those guys who I think is going to get 14 or more targets. I would love two of them, and I would really love a situation especially if I'm in a GPP format where maybe that guy is paired up with my quarterback. So maybe if I'm playing Allen, I'm also playing Diggs. Maybe if I'm playing Hurts, I actually don't consider A.J. Brown to be one of those 12-a-week target guys. He's kind of in that I'll get eight targets a week, but I'll be really efficient in them. So I don't really play A.J. Brown too much, so that wasn't the greatest example. But the Allen-Diggs combo, like you can be rest assured – I will be playing those stack many of times. And I also love a reverse stack. So say the uh, Bills are playing against the Jets. Let's take Lazard on the reverse stack and take the wide receiver two the other way. Because if it ends up being a huge scoring game, if Diggs and Allen truly go nuclear together, then Rodgers on the other end of that contest is going to need to throw a lot. And maybe he'll rely on his old guy, Allen Lazard. I wouldn't pay up for two star receivers in the same game. I would look for a wide receiver one on one stack, and then the reverse stack of a wide receiver too. That's how I think you extrapolate the most value, or you would flip that around and take Josh Allen with Gabe Davis, so a quarterback one with his wide receiver two, and then on the flip side, you take that Garrett Wilson, that Jets wide receiver one. So running back value, quarterback spend up, wide receiver 
spend up plus stack plus potential reverse stack. And that will definitely come back into play when we are talking about the specific type of contest that you've entered and building a lineup for that contest. Because if you're playing in a GPP contest, you better have a stack and a reverse stack. If you're playing in one of these Millie Maker tournaments, you need that upside of one game being so high scoring and having such outsized importance. And then you even want to get tricky and start correlating gambling angles and say, okay, is this actually a game of low total? Is it starting to trend towards the under? So are a lot of people going to be avoiding this game? So is that the place where I actually need to make the biggest pivot? I'm getting too deep into the strategy of choosing your contest and making your lineup for your contest. But you can see we are definitely going to get into that stuff. Let's shift gears to the defense position. I actually do defense before I do tight end because I feel there's something very, very important about defense. I often find in the DFS space, the publics, the schmucks, the people who I feast off of, they just choose the cheapest defense. They don't think it's that big of a deal. I think that's the dumbest thing in the world. I think if you're going to choose a defense, the one thing you do not do is choose a guy going against a veteran quarterback who is more or less a pocket passer. Those guys get rid of the ball quickly. They don't have they don't take many sacks. They don't throw many interceptions. They don't have many turnovers. You're at that point really banking on the defense holding them to a low score to hold on to their defensive points, and you're not providing your team many opportunities to score defensive points. If we're looking at playing against, let's let's use Aaron Rodgers again. Sorry about that. Podcast went longer than I expected, and now the exit music is playing. Now we're going to keep going. Um, so let's assume that you have that guy, and we'll use Aaron Rodgers as the example again. Rodgers releases the ball so quickly that it's so hard for him to take to get sacked. And like he won two of the last three MVPs because he had less than five interceptions on the entire season. So choosing the defense going against Aaron Rodgers just because it's the cheapest and allows you to pivot a few other places – Dumb as rocks. What I would do is go to the defense list and find the cheapest defense that you are still very comfortable with. The things I like to target in defense are guys going against a mobile quarterback. I want to get into that in a second. A young quarterback, a quarter, a quarterback who likes to hold on to the ball for a longer time, that um, time of release that Tom Brady was the goat in. I don't want that against the quarterback. I want the guy to hold on to the ball so my defenders have a chance to go get, get him for a sack. And then the fourth thing that I look at is average depth of target. So how far is this quarterback throwing the ball? Are they throwing those Peyton Manning quick-hitting slants? Or are they throwing these bombs that actually have a chance to get picked off or tipped or something like that? So there are more opportunities created from quarterbacks who throw deeper, who hold on to the ball, and are mobile. So let's go into the mobile explanation. Mike, don't mobile QBs rule the day in fantasy? Don't these Justin Fields sometimes go for 40 points and explode because they have 60-yard rushings and whatever? Yeah, but that has no impact on a defense. It actually might help a defense because one yard against the defense is just one yard against the defense. You're not taking fantasy points because of yards against you're taking fantasy points because of points against. So if a quarterback is rushing and they're taking in 3x the points on a rushing yard than they do a throwing yard, which is the rough fantasy correlative value, 
and they're getting 1.5x on a rushing touchdown than they do a throwing touchdown, those rushing stats are actually less frequent. So for the defense, you're actually going against a quarterback that's going to move the ball less and score less frequently. And then the flip side of that is mobile quarterbacks are very hard for their offensive line to block for. Once a quarterback starts scrambling around a pocket, the offensive line, which is blocking the guy in front of them, and they don't have Jason Kidd eyes in the back of their head, they don't know if their quarterback is shifting right or left necessarily or how far they're going and which block angle they need to make because they're no longer keeping just a clean pocket. They're trying to open space for this quarterback. And sometimes the quarterback will take off on his own And it just becomes a tough situation to block for. This was a classic, classic, classic thing about Russell Wilson through all of his time in Seattle. I think Russell Wilson was also sacked a ton in Denver last season. We saw it with Justin Fields this past season. I will definitely be targeting defense against a guy like Justin Fields. Because if he goes for a 60-yard rushing touchdown, it impacts me the same way as if Patrick Mahomes throws one of those five-yard flip screens. And on the flip side of that, Trust me, Justin Fields, if they play the same amount of games, is going to be sacked more often than Patrick Mahomes. So for those things, I like to find the cheapest defense that I still feel completely acceptable playing. Then I move up to the tight end. And tight end is generally a wasteland. There's pretty much Travis Kelsey and everybody else. There are weekly spots where you might feel good about Kittle, Waller, Goddard, Ertz, someone like that. But for the most part... You're just hoping for that guy who gets like three catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. So tight end is generally the last place that I go. And it's typically the first place that I use as an intentional pivot. There are generally because of matchups, because of a potential wide receiver injury that creates a volume increase for a tight end. Like last year in Denver, we had Jerry Judy out. We had Cortland Sutton out. We had Tim Patrick out. Everyone and their mom was playing Greg Dolchich. I actually love him again this year. So a guy like Dulcich was a great volume boost, cheap tight end to use. So I really liked that. That's kind of where I would look. But I also think it's a great place to pivot. There are generally a few clear chalk tight ends. By chalk, I mean these are the guys that are pretty much going to be used in every lineup that everyone thinks is clear price point value. And tight end, because they generally float in the same amount of stats, they don't typically put up that many points. They're not the biggest outsized weight of importance. If you do happen to choose someone different and you end up getting the guy that had the touchdown and the 10 points and the three for 50 with a a tutty and the other guy ended up going, you know, a classic three for 40, you just gained seven points on him. And that's a huge boost to your overall ability to win a contest. So in a GPP, I love using tight end as my first pivot. In a cash contest, you could also just play chalk because you have to remember in a cash contest, you just need to be above average. Whereas in a GPP, you need to be elite. So if we're just going to be above average, give me the chalk there and let other people around me try and be elite, but actually screw up. You have to take your chances on being elite in a GPP tournament not in a cash game. So for cash games, tight end, chalk is fine. Uh, GPP, it is a great place to cheaply pivot. Um, Wow, that just wrapped it all up. Not really the most exciting ending. Oh, I did want to talk about content schedule 
for the DFS Today feed, for the Advantage, where you guys can find me. First off, you can find me on Twitter, at FiddlesPicks, where I, I'm pretty loud, I'm pretty frequent, I always tweet out a few bets. You can find me in the Sports Ethos Wagering Pass and Discord channel for access to a lot of my NFL plays. And then for in terms of DFS and content schedule, I am going to be doing at least one podcast a week regarding NFL prep for the rest of the summer. And then as we get to week one, the schedule is going to be Spend Up Tuesday. So on Tuesday, we are going to go through all of the highest priced players at every position and talk about which guys we are prioritizing. Because on Tuesday, we will know, did Diggs get hurt? Is Mahomes questionable? We will not be playing into any star players who are questionable or banged up. We are going to target the guys who are healthy and have good matchups. So on Tuesday, we will have a clear idea about which star players we have our eyes on. On Thursday, when practice reports start to come out, when we start getting some more injury data, we will start going value hunting and start going over the mid to low price guys at each position and who we like for value propositions. And Saturday is going to be a core four episode where I describe the four players who are definitely going to be in my lineup that week. And through all of this, I think I will have a myriad, myriad of exciting guests to come on with me. I think you guys, if you listen to The Advantage, you certainly know Gibby. I think Gibby should be here on a weekly basis with me on Saturdays for Core 4. We'll also do some best bets still left on the board. And Thursday, I will be looking for a pretty exciting guest to join me to talk value propositions on a weekly basis. Tuesdays are going to be solo shows because I'm also going to do a lot of gambling, reviews of the market, explaining the line movement trends and things like that. So a lot in store here on The Advantage. Make sure you follow also my podcast feed, The Advantage, so that you can get the strategy episodes over the next few weeks. You can get episodes on NFL futures. You can go listen to Gibby and I talk about the awards races and the best bets for that space. And yeah, should be an exciting time. I am really happy we are switching gears over to the NFL. Always fun to talk football. We will do plenty of it more. As always, deuces. 